started us off, really, because he was talking about the presentness of God. And if you haven't listened to that message, if you weren't here for any reason, I'd want to encourage you to listen to it. And part of what he was sharing with us is God as the I am, which is one of the names of Jesus. So one of the things we're going to be doing during this series is looking at the very many different facets of who Jesus is. And if you look behind me, you would see why this banner was placed up, yeah? And the, the, the purpose of this is to help us in this coming season to look at some of the various facets of who Jesus is. And again, we sang a, a beautiful song this morning that talked about, did you notice there was a verse in one of the songs we sang that said, you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Mighty One, Prince of Peace, Great I Am, risen Lord, and so on and so on. And again, those are uh, who Jesus is. And the scripture is full of um, many different facets of who this, our Savior, is. My encouragement to us during this series is that we don't see this series as something we come to on a Sunday. And yes, I know that God will prepare stuff for us on the Sunday. We were so blessed last Sunday, and I know he'll keep blessing us. But beyond that, I want us to see it as something we engage with during the week as well. Because there's definitely lots and lots of things that the Father wants to show us about who Jesus is during this next uh, few weeks and and months. So the the series is, um, we've titled it, Fixing Our Eyes on Jesus. Fixing Our Eyes on Jesus. And you would recall listening to Jeremy read um, Hebrews 12, in verse 2, it talked about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. All around the world right now, I mean, to be honest, it's been like that for as long as I can remember, but if we let it, there's lots of things happening in the world right now that can be great concern to us. I don't know, overnight, there's been another shooting in, in, um, in Paris, And another person has decided that uh, they wanted to take uh, uh, Islam Islam to a different level, if you like. And so this Islamist has decided that they want to kill someone. And they did speak out um, fanatical words as they did that. So, So that's happened again. And unfortunately, what that does is stop us from getting sometimes the reality of what other people's faith can be like. Because there and then we have another example of someone who's taken their faith to a different extreme that stops us sometimes from engaging with people of other faiths because we think everybody's like that. So that's the kind of thing we see that's happening in the world around us right now. We don't have to go as far away as other parts of the world to see this. Even in the United Kingdom, Adi and I were in London for a few weeks um, last month, and again, In the space of three or four days, there were so many people who were knifed in London. It became a big deal. Like, we couldn't ignore this anymore. It became a big deal. But what is amazing is that whilst all of that is happening, there are lots of good news stories happening in our world as well. And unfortunately, you won't hear that if you listen to the general run-of-the-mill television news channels. You have to go digging for good news. And I have one piece of good news for you that's happening in our city of Sheffield. In Sheffield, at the Rock Christian Centre, one of the churches we partner with, 
at King Centre partners with them. We do empower together um, the Sheffield um, um, businessmen's thing that Andy started off is partnered with them as well. So there are lots of areas in which we partner with them. Empower, by the way, is the citywide prayer event that we keep encouraging members of the King Centre to attend. It's held once a quarter and moves around different churches in the city, just gathering Christians in the city together to pray. In fact, I will tell you that the next one is June the 24th. And the amazing thing about the next one is an open-air Empower event. It's going to be at the Peace Gardens. Would you put that date in your diary? It's going to be from 6.30 to 8.30. And let as many of us as possible gather together with other Christians in the city to worship God out in the open, declaring who he is. Anyway, that's a plug for Empower. Right, but... At Rock Christian Centre, good news story, they, in conjunction with the, um, the uh, South Yorkshire Police, have had the very first knife bin installed by their church. And that means if you have a knife illegally, you can go to that place, deposit it. So taking weapons of destruction off the roads, the streets in our city, if you have an, a gun, you can put that in there too, and so one less, two less, ten less every week is an amazing story, a good news story. And who's at the forefront of the good news story? A church. So you get this whole thing happening, that there's stuff happening that's not very good. And to be honest, our lives are a bit like that too. Because we face challenges in our lives too. But praise the Lord that you'll be hard-pressed to find any one of us here today who in the midst of life's challenges cannot point to what God is doing that is good. And if we look back to that scripture that was read, the first one in Hebrews 12, you will find that that's kind of what it feels like. The metaphors that we often use for describing this kind of great stuff, not so great stuff happening, we sometimes say they're the ups for the really great stuff, the times when we feel, woohoo, I'm on the mountain top. And then we say the downs when we think we're really in the valley and, and the sun can't even get to shine on us. So that's one of the metaphors we use, the metaphor of up and down. I love another metaphor, and that's um, Rick Warren. Some of you would know him who wrote Purpose Driven Life. He gives a different interpretation to this notion of ups and downs. And he looks at it at a train track. And there are two tracks, always on train tracks, there are two. And he says, life is often like that. At one point, you might be going through, the left-hand side might be really awful, rubbish, you know, thing that you would change or maybe not change, um, depending on how you see it in a moment. And then on the right-hand side, there might be something that's really amazing that's happening at the same time. So whether you use the up-and-down notion or you use the twin-track metaphor, the reality is that that just feels like what life is like. Life is like ups and downs. There may be chronological ups and downs, there might be at the same time ups and downs, but that's what life is like. And the passage in Hebrews 12 actually shows that. If you read round it, you would notice words like cross, shame, hostility. I wouldn't call that those words particularly pleasant words, would you? But again, in the same scripture, in the same passage, you have words like joy, the throne of God, great clouds of witnesses, and I want to add race 
But I know some of you would think, Nikki, I think you've lost your plot, that you lost the plot there, that I don't think a race is necessarily a good thing because the last time you tried to run one, you probably collapsed after um, one minute or so. That, that would be me. I would collapse after one minute. But then there are people like Jess here who absolutely would love that. They would see that as a great thing of joy. And if you asked her, she'll be very happy to tell you what her PB is. And do we know what PB is? Good, good. So at least we know that. Fantastic. So there are people who would feel that that's an amazing thing. We get this dual thing in that passage as well. Or slap bang in the middle of all the joy and the throne of God and the great clouds of witness on one side and the cross and the shame and hostility on the other side, we have this beautiful phrase, fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Whether there are global things that are happening around us that disturb us or excite us, whether they're citywide stuff or personal stuff or even corporate stuff here at King Center, Jesus' call to us in this season is fix your eyes on Jesus. And we're going to be unpacking that in a, um, during this series. Now, I'm going to show you a, a picture for a second, only a second. If you've ever seen this picture before, don't spoil it for those who haven't seen it, okay? And we're praying that it works. Come on. That. What did you see? A man? A man's face? Yeah? How many people saw a man's face? Cool. Fantastic. Right. So that was us glancing at that picture. I think that would be a right word to, to use, wouldn't it? We just glanced at it. Would you just show it for maybe a couple of seconds now? Did you see anything? Did anybody see anything else? Oh, you saw trees. Fantastic. Excellent. So first, we glanced at it. We saw a man's face. We got a little bit more time to look at it. And then we saw trees. Could we perhaps have five seconds, maybe even a little bit more? Just a little bit more now to look at it. Oh, right. So now, what else do we see? No, can you put your hand up if you... Yeah. Thank you, Maseho. Oh, you saw a lady. Where was she? She was facing backwards, yes. And what was it about the lady? What did the lady have to do with the face? Her hat was the ear, yes. Her hat was the ear. Did you see anything else? Anybody saw anything else? Yes? Yes, there was a silhouette of the city, yes, in the background. Yes. Was there anything else? Yes, Jeremy? Yes. What were, and what were the shed in the... They were the man's eyes were the shed. Somebody said, ooh, the man's eyes the shed. Anything else? Yes. There was someone, to, and what was that in relation to the man? The man's nose. Right. Can you see the difference? <laughs> Some people are really sad now because they didn't see any of that. <laughs> Victor is going to have to go to Specsavers in the morning. <laughs> oh, it's not just you. You've got company behind you. 
<laughs> I think if he left it for a bit, you can just leave it for a bit longer now. For those who didn't see anything, maybe now they can have a proper look. Can you say, ah, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, right. I think we can stop looking at it now. You can take it off now. Yeah, well done, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. Now, the thing about this is there is a huge difference between glancing at Jesus, looking at Jesus, and fixing our eyes on Jesus. There's a huge difference. And we just saw that now. When you glance at something, you do see some of it. You do see something. But it's a world of difference from when you actually fix your eyes. In fact, by the time, if we left it on there now for the next half an hour, and I don't want to do that because I want you to listen to the rest of the sermon, uh, we would probably find more things as we fixed our gaze on that picture. The more we look at Jesus, the more we fix our eyes on him, the more we focus on him. And that particular phrase in um, Hebrews 12 is translated in other, um, other versions of the Bible, other translations. Um, Darby says, looking steadfastly on Jesus. The contemporary English version says, keeping our eyes on Jesus. The more we fix our gaze on him, the more we look steadfastly on him, more is revealed to us. More is revealed to us. In fact, the way that the Amplified Bible also puts it is, it says, looking away from all that would distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. Looking away from all that would distract, focus our eyes on Jesus. I want to share a testimony of what happened to me um, this week. Um, I'm at college. Some of you know that. I'm studying again. After all these years, it's been quite a thing getting the old gray cells going again and firing, not just, you know, we're firing for academic work. It's been quite a journey. Um, I have to say, I got to the place where I actually surprisingly used the word enjoy at the same, I know, at the same time as studying. That was a moment. The moment I could say, I'm actually enjoying this, that felt awesome. But anyway, I got there in the end. But, um... I have an assignment uh, that was due in on Monday, i.e. tomorrow, and I had planned that last week I'd find two days, probably, yeah, two really good free days that I could concentrate, do some of my reading in readiness for writing this assignment. And this was no ordinary assignment. This was not the usual 2,500 words that I've been writing for my previous assignments. This was a 6,000 word assignment and I hadn't done one of those in a long time. So I'd had my plan, I'll do that, I'll just do my study last week and then this week I kind of worked out I'd have from Thursday to sit down and start to bang the words out on a computer, you know, my computer, hopefully to submit today at some point. So my plan, unfortunately last week I fell ill and I totally lost my two days that I meant to use studying. I was so ill, I was sleeping all the time. Uh, so I lost those two days. And then I had to kind of think, well, 
I'm going to have to rejig this plan now. Instead of having the time to write now, I'm going to have to both read and write my essay. But I knew I was very busy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so I knew I couldn't really do anything until Thursday. Wednesday night came, and I looked at Thursday, and I looked at the fact that I had hardly started on this assignment. But I had a dilemma. For as long as I can remember, probably 13, 14 years now, I have always had one day, it started off as one day a week, that I would call my rest and retreat day. And there were the days that I would kind of pull back a little bit from all that was happening around me, be refreshed in my spirit, and then catch up on any kind of tiredness and sleep that I had. And I based that on the teaching of scripture about the Sabbath. We know Sabbath was one of the commandments that God gave the Israelites uh, when he called them out of Egypt and gave them the Ten Commandments. But the Sabbath actually predates that because when God made heaven and earth and everything that that there is in creation, at the end of that, the seventh day, so he made man on the sixth day, and the seventh day, God rested. So man's first experience here on earth was not a work day, it was a rest day. So I had taken that on board and realized that many of us do the opposite. We work, 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 and then we're like, can't wait for Friday because here comes the weekend, and we collapse and we rest. But actually, God's plan, as always, is the opposite of that. His plan is that we start off from a place of rest and work from that place of rest. So I've got my, that's my theology anyway. I have to say, don't feel you have to do it because the Bible also says in the New Testament that some people think the Sabbath is awesome and they keep it and others don't. So you just do what feels right for you. But I have found that a real blessing personally for me. So apart from the rest, the other thing that Sabbath teaches us is that we don't succeed by the dint of hard work. The fact that you choose a day where you're down tools and say, you know, I'm not working hard today. I'm just going to let this day be a day that I focus on God. I've spent time with my friends and family. I really relax. For me, it makes a huge difference. And that's one of the reasons why I love doing that. It's one of my signs to God that it's not about how hard I work. It's about me trusting you. So Thursday, Wednesday night came. My dilemma was that Thursday morning because I now do half days, not full days, for several reasons. Thursday morning was my half day. So the question was, shall I or shall I not? Bearing in mind that I had 6,000 words to bang out within a short space of time, shall I or shall I not? And honestly, I had to grapple with that. And by the end of Wednesday, I made my mind up, Lord, I am going to observe that time with you. I'm going to spend Thursday morning as my rest and retreat morning. I gritted my teeth, literally gritted my teeth. I'm going to do it. So Thursday morning came, and I have to tell you, the first hour was hard going. Because there I was physically saying, Lord, here I am with you, spending time with you. But my whole mind everywhere else was sat in front of a computer screen and thinking about this essay that I had to write. But what do you do when you find yourself in that place? Well, the only thing I know to do is to ask God for help. So I knew that I couldn't change the way I felt. So I invited him, Lord, help me. I do want to be here with you. I don't want to be half at the computer and half here. And of course he helped me. 
Of course he answered my prayer. He helped me. And next thing I knew, you know, there was a real relaxation in my mind and in my spirit. I enjoyed my time of worship with God. And dare I say, I even fell asleep and slept really well. And then woke up. By the time I got in front of my screen, it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So I did my work, worked dutifully, did that on Thursday. And then on Friday morning, got up again and was working hard on this thing. At about noon, I said to Ade, who was in the study with me, I said, in our office with me, I said, look, I've been working hard all this time and I've only done 1,900 words out of a 6,000 word essay. This is not looking good, but I'm going to have to keep trusting God. And I was trusting God. And I really was trusting God. I knew that God would do it somehow. In my mind, I just thought this thing would click into place at some point and all of it would just come flowing out of me. That's what, how I thought. But God is amazing and he cannot be fixed into a box. Because when you think this is the only way that God can deliver you or help you out, he then just shows you, you haven't reckoned with me. Well, in my little story, which isn't kind of the story of, uh, I don't know, feeding the 5,000 or anything like that. It was just a little woman, you know, just trying to love God and, and live uh, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. Then I got an email from college. Never happened before. And I opened the email and it said something like this. From our vice principal, no less. It has come to my attention that those of you doing doctrine and introduction to doctrine uh, have been erroneously told that your essay had to be due in on the 14th of May. The due date is actually the 18th of June. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was ecstatic. I said, Lord, I'm amazing. I couldn't stop smiling. I couldn't stop thanking God. You know, all through that evening, I was like, yeah, God, thank you. You know, I couldn't stop saying thank you to God because I had no idea how he would do it, but honestly, the way he did it was the best way. <laughs> it was the best way. So you see, when we choose in grappling with discipleship to fix our eyes on Jesus, he takes care of us. When we choose to take those steps that show that we are fixing our gaze on him, he works on our behalf. And the story might not always look like I've told you, but there will always be a story. Because when we fix our eyes on him, he has a way of coming through for us. I shared this story with someone and they asked me the question, what if I hadn't made that choice? Because I think the choice I made, in my opinion, was the right choice. What if I hadn't made that choice? Well, I would have lost out on a morning of rest and retreating with God is a really good question, and I pondered it. But one thing I know is that I would not have wallowed in my sense of failure because I have come to the place where I know that Jesus really loves me. And yes, I will fail. As sure as we are followers of Jesus, there will be times when we let him down. But one of the things I've learned to do when I do let him down is not to wallow in it. Because I know that he does not love me any less just because I let him down. I know that he does not love me any less. There's not a thing I can do that would make him love me any more. 
and there's not a thing I can do that would make him love me any less. And of course, I don't always make the right choices. One of the things that God's been asking in my talk with him, in my considering, which is another word that comes out in that passage in Hebrews 12 that really struck me, consider, in my considering about Jesus, one of the things I've been encouraged to do in, in, uh, recently is to fix a time in the daytime, during the day, and my time is something like either 12 or 12.30. I sometimes even set my alarm for that time where I just stop in the middle of the day and just spend a bit of time with him. Of course, we all, on our journey with him, are learning the thing about praying as we're going along. You're driving, you're praying, you know, you're cooking, you're praying. We're all learning that he's with us all the time and therefore we can communicate with him all the time. But I'm talking about undivided attention that that's what I felt God saying to me and that's the journey I've been on more recently where I just want to stop in the middle of the day think about maybe people who've asked me to pray for them during the day or allow the Holy Spirit to lead me to pray for people you know just taking time or even just look back on the day and what's happened so far and what God might be saying to me so that's one of the things I felt has been asking me to do but I have to say that I am not succeeding all the time on that one sometimes I even forget to set my alarm Sometimes I set it and it goes off and I'm like, oh, yes, but I'll just do this. You know, again, I know it's a journey. And sometimes I do stop and spend time with him during the middle of the day. The point I'm making is this, is as we are learning to fix our eyes on Jesus, it's not a single snap of your fingers and it's done. It's a journey. As we go on this journey of looking at all these different facets of Jesus and who, what he's saying to us, we will be going on this journey of finding out who he is and growing as disciples as we learn what is he saying to me about who he is and what am I going to do about that. There's supposed to be a second section to my talk this morning and I'm not sure I'm going to give it. Maybe I will. I'll just really rattle through that. And the second bit is in the, the second passage that we read this morning, John 1. And John the baptizer was standing by Jordan Jesus walked past and he cried out, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The second day happened again and he called out for everybody to know, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Next to him were two of his disciples. We know that one of them is Andrew because that passage tells us is Andrew. We're not sure who the second one is, but every indication is that that is John the disciple. And I don't have time to unpack why. If you want to ask me why, I can tell you. I can kind of show you why people think he's the one. For me, one of the things I wanted us to look at today as a facet of who Jesus is, Jesus as the Lamb of God. And we sang about it this morning too. Jesus is the Lamb of God. John realized, I think, when, when John the baptizer proclaimed that, John the disciple who was there at that time realized something and went after Jesus. He left John the baptizer and followed Jesus, and he became one of the inner um, group of Jesus' friends. What, I, what really struck me about John the disciple is this. He always refers to himself in Scripture as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He always referred to himself as that, as the disciple whom Jesus loved. What would make a man's man 
And I really need to say that this is who he was, really. So don't think of him. You know, people often think, oh, yes, all those people who talk about love. You know, they're the romantic kind. They're the men who wear pink shirts. I'm looking quickly. No man wearing pink shirt today. You know, the men who do this, you know. that. He's not like that. This was the guy who said, by the way, I love men who wear pink shirts. Adi has a pink shirt, so I just want to put, set the record straight. But I'm just saying that's what some people would say, not me. Um, so you, you, you have this thing about this was a, a man's man. They went, once went through a village, and in that village, the, guy, the, the villagers wouldn't let them walk through or wouldn't let them eat or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. And what, what John said, Jesus, let's call fire down from heaven and wipe them all off. That's the kind of guy I'm talking about. He was not, so he's not a kind of namby-pamby kind of, you know, that kind of guy. He's a man's man. In fact, Jesus nicknamed him and his brother James. And the name Jesus gave them was Sons of Thunder. You don't get that name from Jesus for doing nothing. Sons of Thunder, that's the name that Jesus gave them. So he was that kind of bloke. But somehow... In his journey with Jesus, and I haven't got time to unpack this today, but I want us to go away and think about that. In his journey with Jesus, from that first day where he went after the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the whole world, to the place point where at Jesus' crucifixion, he was the only, only one of Jesus' 12 disciples that was named he was the only one there. We know Peter was nowhere to be found because he already denied Jesus. The others had fled. In fact, it was fulfillment of scripture that the shepherd would be struck and the sheep would scatter. He was the only one left there. What was it about a man who set off going after the Lamb of God, slain for the whole world, that made him find that the only words he would use to describe himself is, I am the disciple who Jesus loved. And he said it always with relish. He said it with great delight. It was something that he enjoyed pointing to. He knew that journey of, find, of going after the lamb that was slain brought him to the point where he knew he was totally, absolutely, completely loved by God. A question to us today is this. Do you know that you are totally, completely, absolutely loved by God? Do you know that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Do you know that neither the ups nor the downs of life can separate you from his love? Do you know that he who did not spare his only son but freely gave him for you, he would with Jesus freely give you everything else? Do we know without a shadow of a doubt that we are totally, completely loved by God? John 3.16, for God so loved Nike that he gave his only begotten son that if I will believe in him, I will not perish. I will have everlasting life. Second question is, how is the Holy Spirit prompting you to focus on Jesus? 
because for sure he is. Because we are being discipled by the Holy Spirit, changing from one degree of glory to another. He's doing that. How is he pointing you to fix your eyes on Jesus? What are the choices that he's asking you to make to help you fix your eyes on Jesus? And obviously, this is what we always ask. What are you going to do about it? So that you have a story to share with your friends of how you are fixing your eyes on Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, we just want to thank you that you love us so much. And we want to thank you that your word has power in it. We thank you for the power in your word today that has helped us to once again hear that awesome story, awesome good news that you love us and that you love us totally and completely. Lord, we want to be people who take pride in knowing that we are loved by you. We want to be like John the disciple who would always refer to ourselves as people who are loved by Jesus. Would you help us to get to that place, Lord? And if we're in that place already, would you help us never to give an inch in that space? Holy Spirit, would you keep helping us to lay hold of that revelation in greater measure of how truly loved we are? And Lord, thank you that you're called to us in this season to fix our gaze on Jesus. We don't want to be people who ignore you, Jesus. We don't want to be people who only glance at you. We don't want to be people who just see you. We want to be people who focus on you, who have, who have our eyes fixed on you. Would you teach us how to do that? In the ups and downs of lives, may the ups never stop us from fixing our eyes on you. May the downs never take our gaze away from you. May we be people who focus on you and who keep our focus on you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.